Well, good morning or afternoon, internet, wherever you're listening from and what time of the day. We are Diary of a Linking Geek. I've got with me today Dan and Gregor, and we're going to be having a chat through the top 100 board games that are put on Board Game Geek. And we're going to say whether we kind of agree or disagree with the rankings and whether we've played them or not. That's the gist of it, Chris, yes. We actually tried to be more organised. We made a spreadsheet and then kind of listed what games we've actually completed. But since then, they've updated the list. <laughs> so all, all my work is completely out of date. Yes, it's moot. <laughs> first of all, though, Chris, a little bit of housekeeping. This is the first time we've spoken since the 24-hour gaming marathon. How are you feeling? Oh, good, good. <laughs> but I've recovered. I've recovered. I took the whole week off, so... I don't blame you. <laughs> I, and I had to get back some, you know, husband points from the wife because I basically abandoned oh, I her imagine. with our 12-week-old. Yeah. With the newborn, but yes. it's for a good cause. <laughs> <laughs> so she was very understanding, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cl- slowly clawing back those uh, brownie points. So where are we with this list? I think, you know... From uh, last count, I've actually played 20 of the top 100 games, which I'm actually very proud of. I'm quite surprised. That's not bad. <laughs> I think I owe um, a lot of it to the um, lockdown, really. Because it's kind of, um, I've been looking up these games and seeing what kind of online versions of them are. So a few of these games I don't actually own the physical version of. I own the digital version of. But I'm still counting. Okay. Well, we can count digital versions, I think, in this instance, particularly during lockdown. If we don't count the digital version... As long as it's true to the original game, I don't have a problem with counting the digital version. As long as it's still the same rules, that kind of thing. It's not like a specialised digital-only version, that kind of thing. So yeah, I've uh, I've currently done uh, twenty of them, which I'm quite happy. Uh, Chris is currently counting. Gregor, did you know how much you've done over the lot? I think I've put somewhere between ten and eleven, but I think there's a, at least one game on here where there's a revised edition that's yeah. listed as a separate game, but I don't know which of them. Which is almost cheating, really, <laughs> that you can have your yes. game appear twice by just so, let's push out a little revision. Yeah. I've noticed there are some expansions on the list as well. Should expansions be counted? Because if it's a very popular game, I see like, I mean, obviously the number one, Gloomhaven. And my a number one sin, I haven't actually played it. Neither have I. <laughs> I know I definitely have friends who own mm. it. Yeah. Well, it is a legacy game, so I understand it's probably quite a tricky one just to play casually. Mm. But I imagine you dedicate a lot of time of it. Yeah, well, you, you've played legacy more legacy games than I have done. I have, yeah. I'm not a massive fan of legacy games purely because of the length of times it takes to play. I'm very much a casual gamer. I was young and hip the last time I attempted a legacy game. Yeah. <laughs> I've since uh, reproduced some of my times to play them has drastically reduced. Mm. Uh, I, I've actually played the number two game on the list, which is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. When you say, are you say playing or have you played? I've played. I've okay, completed, cool. Completed. I, didn't wanna, I didn't want to do any spoilers. <laughs> it's great. It's really yeah. fun. It's one of my favourite gaming experiences. I can totally understand why that's so high. I can, I, I, I can from what I've heard. I mean, from what Gregor's saying there, it sounds like you've played it. Yeah, I've also played Pandemic Legacy Season 1 as well. Yep. Uh, I haven't breached as far as Season 2 or 0. It took, it took me ages to arrange however many playthroughs I needed to get through Season 1. But that's honestly the only bad thing that I think I have to say about it. It really adds to the Pandemic experience. Mm. The way that it works is that it breaks down into months um, and you can play each month twice, but the objectives always change, the characters that you play change, the diseases change, and even if you're good at it and you manage to whiz through all the months, at the end you still have a game that you can play Mm. um, and it's still a lot of fun to play if that's something that you want to do. 
it's your own personalized version of the world after the whole story's finished. It's really mm. good. Like I said, I, I love how it adapts. So if you're doing really well, the game gets harder for you. If you find yourself um, losing a lot, the difficulty reduces, kind of balances out mm, a bit for you does, yeah. as well. Because you get more funding, which basically you get like more special cards that help out. I know you probably will never play Chris because it does involve destroying game pieces and ripping up cards, yep. which will probably yeah. make you have night terrors. Yep. No, don't do destroying <laughs> cards or destroying games. Uh, you know, but I... you never play the game again. It's the experience. Yeah, the stakes are real, Chris. I like to but have something to keep. I don't want it to be destroying elements. My main counter to that, Chris, is basically it cost me like forty quid. That's about the same as a meal. Going out for a meal. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> uh, and at the end of it, I have got a personalized version of the world, which I'm, I'm so sad. I've actually hung up. I've framed it. It's on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of people do that sort of thing. And the other thing to mention with Pandemic Legacy is that, again, you can play it at the end. You the can. bits that you're destroying are the bits that are important to be destroyed so that you can have a game at the end to play that makes sense, so that there is yeah. a story that's concluded. Oh, uh, okay. All right. I, I, that makes it's, a bit more it's, sense. It's good. There are some occasions where you might have to destroy a character, but I must emphasize that only happens if you're very bad at the game. <laughs> or very unlucky, yeah. yeah. I, I'm interested in talking about the you know the number four that's currently on board game ranking list, which is obviously Terraforming Mars. Yeah, I've, while I've not played the Dead Tree format, I have played the Steam version, and I must say it's a great game. I love yeah. it. I'm, I'm surprised it's number four yes but it, it but it is a very it good is game. a very good game and i'm very surprised it's number four as well because there are actually other games on this list that i've played that i actually rank higher and one of those is battlestar galactica and that's way down on the list that's how the holy battlestar yeah. one thing to bear in mind about board game geek is it's basically the hive mind of just loads of anonymous voters mm. so you can get some games that people downvote on protests they don't like a certain edition or something yeah. or whatever or you get people voting blind tens without even playing the games oh. so i think we should we should probably take the rating with a little bit of pinch of salt it is also weighted on the number of people yeah. who have played that game so actually one of the games that has had the most people play it is terraforming mars which probably explains why it's so high up on the list oh yeah you're right sixty-seven thousand. just wow. looking uh, the number of uh, voters, yeah. 67,000. that will not only just be Dead Tree version, that will also be Steam version as well. I mean, I will say what? the fact that Battlestar Galactica is still on the list after, after all, all these years, because yeah. it, it, was, it was done in 2008. They haven't had a reprint. You can't get hold of it. It's like rocking horse poo. Um, and it's still there <laughs> in the top 100. Says a lot. Well, highlights for me, I've just, we just cover highlights. I mean, um, I've, I've played Brass on Steam. That was fun. I need to convince more people to try it. Right. I want to try it. I just haven't got around to being one to get, but I've heard good things about it. Through the Ages is also pretty good as well. That's another game where you have to play really long game. You have to plan ahead. So George would love that game. <laughs> I'd to try and talk George into playing yeah. that one. Do you want to quickly summarize both of those for us? Oh, crikey. Uh, so what was the first one? Brass is um, it's probably one of the nerdiest topics for a game ever. It's about like the cotton and steam industry and like iron and stuff. You're just building like factories across... Um, I think the version I played was Lancashire, which is lower down on the list. This one at number three is Birmingham. Number 19 is Lancashire. Yeah, yeah that's the one I've played. Through the Ages is um, just we build your own civilization, basically. It's kind of civilization, the board game, but not. But not. Mm. <laughs> you kind of choose what areas to develop in, like either um, your ironworks or your army, that kind of thing. And you pick like a historical leader to lead your nation and you can kind of replace them as the, you go into modern times. 
other highlights for me. I'll be very quick because I'm conscious of the time. Star Wars Rebellion is probably the best game I've only played once. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you <laughs> said good things to me about this, and and, I, and I'm still wanting to play it. It was really, it's really good. And if it wasn't for the um the end of the world with the pandemic, I probably would like to play more with you guys. Mm. <laughs> but it's only two player, so it's hard to get to the table if unless you have a dedicated two player night. But it's very thematic. You've got one player, which is the Empire, which kind of span the whole galaxy, and you've got one player at the Rebels, which they're kind of they're hidden their base on one of the planets around the galaxy. So the Empire have to try and find the Rebel base and blow it up before the Rebels achieve their objective, which in whatever case could be like destroy the Death Star, that kind of thing. I don't want to hog up the entire thing myself, but all the top ones for me are Twilight Struggle, which is another great two-player game. Spirit Island, which I go on about all the time, which I would tell everyone to buy, but the trouble is it's only single-player online, mm. which is criminal. <laughs> Sky, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Scythe? I think it's Scythe. Scythe. Yeah, yeah, I've played that. They're probably the ones at the top of the list for me. I think. Yeah. I'll, I'll pass the pass the torch on to someone else though, so I don't want to hog up the entire podcast. Right, okay, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to mention uh, Wingspan purely because I have played this, oh, yeah. and of course, it's in the top twenty. It's a beautiful game. It's a lovely game, and uh, amount of people that have obviously recommended it to me. So I ended up buying, you know, the Steam digital version purely because um, trying to get a copy of it is just as hard. This version, I, the version I've played, doesn't obviously include the expansions that are currently available. I think all they've done on Steam so far is is just the base game. It's just, it just plays really well. You know, it, the balance between the three different areas of, of the game, which which are basically different habitats. So you've got an area where you're drawing cards, you've got an area where you're laying eggs, and you've got an area where you're, you know, you're, you're drawing resources. And it's that balance between that three. I mean, I've not used a mechanic that uses that three different areas before within within what I would call a you know a, a modern board game. Not off the top of my head, but I, I agree with what you're saying about Wingspan. It's one of those uh, wonderful, like, chilled games I've played in recent mm. memory. It, in a way, it's a little bit solitary because you don't really interact with the other players, but I don't actually mind. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind. And I think that's why it also lends itself really well to online play as well. And you do you do all share the same resource pool, the food yeah, tray? Yeah, you do, yeah. You all share that, so there's some tactics mm. there. I mean, have you have you tried that, Gregor? If not, you should. Wingspan? No, I've never had the chance to play Wingspan. Ah, we'll have to. Okay. Love to try and it's it is not on my list of the few games on this list that I have oh, actually okay. played. <laughs> when we went through this list uh, a few months ago, I most of the games I had played were on the bottom of the list have now fallen off the bottom of oh, the no. list. So I'm now having to recalculate <laughs> exactly what I have and haven't yeah. played that is in the top hundred yes. games. The main one definitely still up there is Azul. Oh, I've heard good things about that, yeah. It's very simple, it's just a tile placement game. All you have to do is make a mosaic. Very simple to play. It's a nice two player game. I also like the sequel, I don't even know if that's the right word, called Summer Pavilion. That's also lots of fun. I definitely recommend that. Uh, The game that I mentioned earlier where I said uh, I didn't know whether I played the original edition or the revised edition is Agricola, but they both appear. That's a very heavy Euro game worker placement resource management type thing. I wasn't really a fan of it particularly. I think that there's other games that do both of those things in a less condensed format that's much easier to explain to new players, much easier to just pick up and play. So I was surprised. I'm not particularly surprised. I know that it sold very well, but I was surprised to see that it ranked so highly here. Which kind of brings me on to the question that I wanted to ask you guys, which is... Are you at all actually influenced by the hundred games on here? Are you? Do you feel like there's a level of completionism that you're like, I have to tick off all of these games? Not at all from it's me. It's a very good question. No. I would say 
no. I think I just kind of picked the game I love the theme of, I think. But I, I must admit, I am a little bit of an achievement hunter <laughs> when it comes to games. Mm. And since I've discovered this list, especially during lockdown, it has provided me with a source of like, oh, I've heard good things about brass. I'll Google that, see if I can get that online. Yeah. And I have. I, I've always kind of gone off what ones I've seen on the shelves that are available yes. in local gaming shops. Never really kind of paid much attention to what's online. Not until we really started, you know, taking off and doing more with Diary of a Lincoln Geek uh, that I really paid much mm-hmm. attention to, what to what's popular. popular. Yes. <laughs> so indie. Yeah. yeah. You, you buy things before they were cool, yeah. Chris. But for me, I would say that now that, again, now that I know that it exists, I'm more tempted to, but there are so many things on here mm-hmm. that are out of print or just generally very yeah, that's, expensive. That's yeah, a good factor as well, yes. I'm more tempted to go on what's on the back of the box than I am what's its placement on a list. The other thing that I've noticed about this list is that a lot of the games on here tend to be heavier games, longer games, more hobbyist games. Do I think that these games are actually the top 100 board or card games available? Do I think they're the top 100 played by anyone ever? No, because the it skews towards the sort of people who are going to go on Board Game Geek and actually rate stuff. Yeah, that's a very good point. Absolutely, go and play these games, but have a look and see what else is available because yeah. there's loads of independent creators who make lots more interesting exactly. things. Yeah, that's a very, it good, is point. A very good point. I think uh, this the pe- type of people who are more likely to review are probably more interested in the heavier games. Is a very good point. I mean, there's lots of good kind of lighter games out there as well. And you've also got Eclipse on here twice, both the original oh, yep. and the re- and the second edition. And I will say, if you haven't played it, you know, do check it out. It is a great game. Uh, we all love, we, Eclipse, we all love we? Eclipse. It's it's sli- just slightly after Battlestar Galactica and list of my favourites. Um, but we've got a great review of that on the website. <laughs> nice plug there, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's been our first podcast and it's uh, fun to record. Thanks. Yeah, no, really good. <laughs> do remember, if you like, if you've enjoyed the show, do subscribe and you'll be seeing some more episodes bi-weekly coming very soon. Please subscribe now and get your geek on.